us today, but we'll send it with somebody that knows them. And so if I call somebody's name and you know that they're not here, but you will be able to have contact or can get them their certificate, we ask that you would uh, see me after service and I'll give you those certificates. But we'll read their names regardless. And uh, we had such a, an outcry for baptism um, that on September 13th, we're having another baptism Sunday. Sunday, and uh, 
looking forward to a great day in the house of the Lord for that. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to John chapter 19 and verse number 30, I want to read one scripture. And then also I've been putting out, we haven't said anything here in public, but we've been putting out on our daily devotions. If there is anybody that's interested in joining our technology team, uh, you don't have to know anything about technology. We'll walk you through it. Uh, it's really not that difficult. But uh, we would like to build a team for our computer, for the words that are on the screen, for the recording purposes. And uh, somebody even may even challenge you a little bit on the sound system uh, and be able to have a team together so we can have uh, multiple people able to do the different things. So if you're interested, we've had a couple of people that have contacted us and we're going to have a meeting here in the next couple of weeks and just kind of walk through uh, and then set you loose to learn to practice and get it right. And, and uh, then, you know, even after all the years that we've done it, we still don't get it always right. So uh, that's no big deal. We just keep going. But uh, if you're interested in being a part of that, we want to encourage you to either see myself or Elena, uh, who is our computer extraordinaire back there. Praise God. John chapter 19, and I want to just read one scripture here, verse number 30, and it just simply says this. When Jesus had tasted it, referring to the sour wine or the vinegar wine in verse 29, when he had tasted it, he says, it is finished. He bowed his head and released his spirit. I want to preach today on this subject. It is finished. It is finished. Would you just one more time ask the Lord to uh, help us to receive what he would have for us today. Jesus, I pray that you would just move in this place in the next few minutes, Lord. Fill me up and pour me out upon your people and give us ears and hearts to receive what you're trying to say to us today. Lord, I'm asking you for a mighty outpouring of your spirit and your anointing from the front to the back, from side to side, saturate and consume us with the glory of God and the mercy of God in this place today. We'll be careful to give you all praise and glory and honor for you're the only one that's worthy. In your wonderful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. This scripture is the culmination of the 33 and a half years or so of the life of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, according to the scripture in John chapter 1, was God in flesh. And, and so God in his humanity, um, which is in Christianity, we call Christ the God-man. He, he was both God and he was man. And, and it's the man part of it, or the human side of it, is coming to a close. And Jesus is paying the ultimate sacrifice for everything that we've done. And we, we see all of his miracles beginning at Cana in Galilee and going all the way even to in the Garden uh, of Gethsemane where Simon Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, the, the guard, and he picks up the ear and he heals the, the soldier's ear. And, and we see all of the miracles and the signs and the wonders and, and all of the teaching and the, the speaking. And we see all of Jesus and we get all the way down to the, the final days of his life and his friend Judas. We know it's his friend because that's how Jesus addressed him. But Judas uh, betrayed him to uh, the, the temple guards, if you will, the Sanhedrin and, and the Jewish 
uh, religious leaders of that day and came and took Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane and, and the Mount of Olives and took him into Jerusalem, gave him really what was the equivalent of a sham trial uh, and just kind of a, a made-up kind of deal. And they finally had between Pilate and Herod and, and, and the things of and Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest, they received a murderer in place of Christ and, and condemned Christ to die on a cross. And in that day and in that age and in that present time, I am sure that the people that were the religious leaders and those that wanted Jesus to be crucified thought that they were winning when in all actuality they were fulfilling what God had already put into motion way back at the beginning of time. And what was getting ready to take place was not something to be sorrowful about, but something for, that would be joyful about. And so we, we see Jesus going to a cross. We see Jesus paying an ultimate price. And now we come to this passage of scripture and he declares in verse 30 that it is finished. It is finished. And I want to uh, talk a little bit about this concept of his, it is finished. Because in the English, that's three words. It is finished. But in the Greek, it's only one word. And uh, I won't try to pronounce it, but it's T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I. When somebody can figure out what that sounds like, then you can just tell us later. <laughs> but that one Greek word is translated in three English words to it is finished. And, and I find it interesting to understand a little bit about what this word is talking about. I find it interesting that this word that Jesus uses when he says it is finished is a, it is a term that was used in that day of accounting. It was an accounting term. And it would be stamped upon, if you will, uh, it would be stamped upon your, 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 uh, what you owe, your debt. It would be put down there and it would basically be saying paid in full. That's what that Greek word was used as an accounting term. Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When Jesus said it is finished, what he was doing was he was taking the ledger of every individual from Adam till today. And he was putting a stamp upon it and said paid in full. Because the wages of sin that we have earned caused us to have death, and it was a debt that we could not repay. It was a debt that we kept going into debt and into debt and into debt, and then maybe we pay off a little bit by being good for a day, but then we go right back into debt again the next day and got deeper and deeper and deeper until we could not get out of debt on our own. So God made a way so that we could have our debt paid in full, and so he wrapped himself in flesh at Bethlehem, became a little boy, and by the time he gets to the end of his life here on the cross, he is able when he declares it is finished, what he is really saying to those that were around him that could see that were at Calvary, he was saying the pay is paid in full. There is no more debt. There is no more lack of funds. There is no more uh, opportunity for you to owe your life to death. Death has now been defeated and broken because the debt that was there has been paid in full. It's an accounting term. Listen, some of you 
I'm not talking financially here now, but some of you have been in debt. All of us have been in debt. And some of us think that our debt is overwhelming and it's dry, it has become so heavy and put down upon us and there's no way that we could ever get out. Can I just tell you, it's already been paid for. You just need to come to the one that paid it. You just need to stop avoiding him and come to him and bow before him and say, Lord, I'll take that. That, that measure of repayment now by turning my life over to you because I've messed everything up and I can't get out of it and I'm sorry that I've done this but God I'm coming back to you I want to live a life that's for you and what ends up happening is is, is that God is, then says okay look it's already been paid for here's your lien of release you've ever gotten a lien of release. You sold a car or something or you, you paid off a car and it, isn't that a great feeling you get that from the bank? It's now mine. <laughs> so when Jesus says it is finished, he's saying it's paid in full. But here's what I want you to notice because uh, we don't get this really in English as much as we get it in, in, in these different, it just comes kind of naturally to us in English, but in Greek, when you have to understand uh, all of the different participles in the present tense and the future tense, the ARs, and all the different things that go into the Greek structure of the language. But let me just say this, that this word that is being written is written in a tense that means it goes all the way back to Adam and it pays for past sins and it goes all the way to the future and pays for future sins. The debt has been paid. You are no longer under the debt of your sin if you come to Jesus. It's the reason why we why we have said in this church that our responsibility is not to get you to heaven. Our responsibility is to introduce you to Jesus because when you get into the hands of Jesus, he has already paid the debt. He has already paid it in full. Let me put it to you this way. Does that mean that, that nothing has happened because of our sins? Oh, no. When we sin, it causes something to happen. It causes it to happen that he had to pay a sacrifice already. But it's not like he's, he's, he's not, he did it one time forever. Yeah. It means that his bank account does not run dry. So when we mess up, we can turn back to him in that moment and say, Lord, I am sorry. Please forgive me. And the bank account is already overflowing because it was already paid back there because he knew that you and I would mess up today. It is finished. It's paid in full. It's paid in full. We don't, we don't always get that. We don't always grasp the spirit of that. You have to understand when you are so swimmingly in debt that you can't function properly, when you can't see up from the bottom, when you can't see through the trees that have grown up around you and the weeds that have grown up about around you to have somebody sweep in and miraculously pay off all of your debt. Wouldn't you like that to happen today? Wouldn't you like to have get a call from your bank in the morning? Yeah, somebody stopped in and said they were just going to pay all your debt. How freeing that would be. Here's what I know. Is if that happened to us, we wouldn't just go, oh, that's nice. 
We wouldn't, we wouldn't just, Trish and I wouldn't look at each other and say, oh, well, that's kind of neat. No, I might even show a little emotion. <laughs> Can you imagine having your house paid for, your car paid for, all of your debts gone just like that? Can you imagine what your response would be in the physical, natural world that we live in? Listen, something rises up in me when I realize that in my spirit, all of my debt has been paid for. It has been purchased by, by him. It has been paid in full. It doesn't matter what I did 10 years ago. It doesn't matter what I did 10 minutes ago. If I can put my hand in the hand of the master, he has already paid it in full. I'm out of debt. And it makes me wonder why I worship. And it, and it lets me know the reason why I raise my hands and why I lift my voice and I give a shout unto God. He has paid me. I am debt free. He's paid for me. He's paid it off. So the next time you feel the overwhelming oppression of death and sin in your life, I want you just to put your head back, lift your chin up, and said, Jesus said it is finished. He's already paid it. Some of us have to do that physically. Step into your homes when the oppression of the enemy comes. And with the thing, and it just starts getting heavy. And you start feeling guilty for your actions and your thoughts and not doing what you thought you were supposed to do and struggling and fighting. Listen, sometimes you just got to stop where you're at, lift your voice and say, I'm sorry, devil. This is not your territory. I have a lien of release that says my sins have been paid for in full. I am free of the debt that you're trying to put upon me. Praise God. But this word is not only used as an accounting term in scripture or in biblical days. It was also used as a word of completion or accomplishment to a particular task. And so when a servant would have a task and when they would, would, when they would finish the task and accomplish the task, they would say it is finished. And remember, that's three English words for one Greek word. They would just say that one word, uh, T-E-T-E-L-I. <laughs> and they would say, it is finished. It's done. It's complete. It, it, it's, I have accomplished something. So what did Jesus accomplish in this uh, aspect? And it's not only that he paid our debt in full, but he fulfilled the demand of deity to make a way for us to dwell with him. You have to remember in the Old Testament, God very clearly lets us know with the experience that Moses had, that if you and I dwelled in the same presence as God Almighty, it would consume us. If you don't know the story, Moses was up in the mountain and, and he said, God, I just revealed, I want to see your glory. And God said, Moses, you don't know what you're asking for. If I reveal my glory to you, you would be consumed in a moment. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a cleft in the rocks. And you hide in the rocks. 
And I will just let you see the end of my glory as I pass by. You'll just get a glimpse of the, the, the hinder parts, the, the last part of the glory, the trail, if you will. You won't even see my full glory then because it still wouldn't work. I'll just give you a picture of that as I pass by. And so when Jesus said, it is finished, the Bible says it this way. When he gave up the spirit, the, the, the veil was rent from the top to bottom in the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a representation in the Old Testament of that divine presence of God. Nobody could go in there except the high priest once a year. And they had to go through all kinds of ritual to get there and take the blood to the mercy seat of the ark. And they would get into that holy place. And, and if the Lord received their sacrifice, a glory cloud would come down and lick up the blood that was on the mercy seat, signifying to the people of Israel that their sins were okay for another year, that they would be a chosen vessel for another year. But the Bible said this, when, when Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil was rent from top to bottom and, and opened up what was happening. He was fulfilling the task that allows you and I to go back into the presence of God like Adam and Eve had to that were able to go into the presence of God in the Garden of Eden before they committed sin because sin separated us from God all of a sudden because the veil was rent. You and I have the opportunity to gather together in a place like this and feel the presence of God that we would not be allowed to feel, that we would not be allowed to experience, that we would not be allowed to see if it had not been finished by God. If Jesus had not hung on the cross, and said, it is finished, the task or the price for that, 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 that opportunity that you and I have to get into the boldness or come boldly to the throne of grace. If God had not allowed Jesus to hang on a cross and say, it is finished, you and I would still be separated from God. And you'd have to be living under the law. And you'd have to be going through all the sacrifices. And you could come to Spirit of Grace Church once a year and sacrifice a perfect lamb. And I could take the blood of the lamb and I could take it through all of the, the different steps. And I could go into the Holy of Holies as the Levite of this house and begin to, to offer up to God and then hope that God would. And, and it was so powerful that the uh, manners and customs tell us that the high priest would tie a rope around his waist and he would have bells along his garment so that if the people on the outside of the holy place stopped hearing the bells, they knew that, that God had not received the high priest and that he would die. And they was tied to a rope so that nobody could go in and get him. They could just pull him out. That's how awesome the presence of God is. You see, we don't recognize the awesomeness of it. It's become second nature to some of us. We don't understand the freedom that God has given us to be in his presence and to sense his love and his mercy. Can you imagine trying to live this life without sensing Christ? I can't do it. I can't imagine being an Old Testament believer. Trusting other people to do what was right. Trusting in the priesthood. Trusting in the structures. And not being able to... Do you understand that people couldn't just pray on their own? 
that they couldn't just reach out to God on their own? I mean, they could, but within the confines and the boundaries, God could come to them, not because God didn't want to, but because God knew that he was so powerful and pure that it would consume them. And so he created means all through the Old Testament, from the Ark to the Ark of the Covenant, to the tabernacle and temple plans, all the way to when he became a baby in Bethlehem. And now he's hanging on a cross and he's saying, I don't need to keep people away anymore. I've opened myself up to them. Whosoever will, let him come unto me and drink. It is finished. The other thing that I like about this word in the Greek is that it was a common word to describe a victor's triumph. So when a team or an individual, for instance, was in a sporting event and they won the sporting event, it was this word that they used. We've translated it, it is finished, but the Greek word, one word, and he would say, it's finished. That lets me know something. If that was the common term for that, I don't think that Jesus hung on the cross and when he came to the end of his life, that he was just hanging his head down and saying, oh, it's finished. Thank God it's finished. Have you ever gotten to that place where you're just so frustrated and so bent out of shape that you were just thankful that the day was over? That the job was over? You know, TGIF is a real thing. But so is TGIM and TGIT and TGIW. Every day, thank God it's another day. I don't think when he said it is finished, it wasn't a word of relief. It wasn't a word that he was thankful that it was now done. I believe this. I believe when he recognized he was getting ready to take his last breath, that he mustered up enough strength to let a victory word go across the plains of Golgotha all the way to Jerusalem, and it's echoing still today. It is finished! I have won the battle. Started way back when Lucifer tried to raise himself up against me. When Lucifer deceived Adam and Eve, and all through that time, I have created a means, I have created a mechanism in order to restore them to me, in order to reconcile them to me. And now Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he is saying, it is finished. I have won once and for all. It's a winning battle cry. It's a winning victory cry. And you and I are standing in the midst of a victory today. Because Jesus says it is finished. So let me just tell you this. When you get into the midst of your battle, you have to recognize that Jesus has already given you the victory cry. It is finished. I may be down right now, but he's already won. I may be hurting right now, but he's already won on my behalf. 
I may be down and out, but he's already won above the half. He said it was finished. He had won. He had won. He had won. I've heard this for my whole life. I've heard it when, when a preacher would say, I've read the back of the book and I know where I end up. It lets me know that I am a winner in the things of God, not because of something that I can do, say, or think, but because there was somebody that hung on a cross a couple thousand years ago that at some point in time realized that he was getting ready to com complete the, the, the penalty that was there and he was going to become sin for us. And he declared, it is finished. I have won the victory. I don't know what that does for you, but I'll tell you what it does for me. It lets me know. It lets me know I'm on the right side. It lets me know that come hell or high water, the cross can never get buried again. It come, come, come what may, what I may face or not face, the struggles that I may fight against, the, the sickness that I may incur, the, 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 the struggles that I have. Listen, if you're struggling today, just keep holding to his hand because he's already won you a victory. It may not come today, it may not come tomorrow, but as long as your hand is in the hand of Jesus, you're going to have a victory like never before. Now I'm not just talking about heaven. That's going to be a great ultimate victory. But here on earth, you have access to something that others may not. You have access to the presence of Almighty God because Jesus paid a price and Jesus said, it's finished, I have won, I have, because here, what did he win? What was his main purpose? I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? Some people say people. Yeah, I was lost, but now I'm And I understand what they're saying. I, I do, I get that. But do you understand that God's known exactly where you're at the whole time? You may have been lost, but he wasn't. You may have been upside down, but he wasn't. You may have been inside out, but he wasn't. Well, so what was lost? What was he coming to accomplish? Here's what, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created in perfection and in purity so that they could have sweet communion with God at any moment of the day. The Bible says they met daily in the cool of the day. I don't know if that was the early morning or the late evening. I have no idea. It was just the cool of the day. Maybe the whole day was cool. But they had free interaction and free communion. There was no separation. There was no trying to work. There was no guilt. There was no shame until they committed a sin. So what was lost? Communion with his creation. And not just any creation, but the creation that he made in his image. And in his image, it means we have a self-will to choose him or not to choose him. You have the opportunity to say yes, Lord, or no, Lord. But when he said it is finished, what he won was this. You and I now have that which was lost restored. He won the victory in his purpose to allow you and I to have sweet communion with him again. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, turn over with me or follow along on the screen. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter five. I want to start at verse number 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation and then I'll be coming to a close here in just a few minutes. But this is wrapping all of this up today. When he declared it is finished, he did pay our debt in full and give us a hope of a new life. He did complete the task that he was sent to do and he did win the victory for us. But I want to share with you now why, before we go today, why did he do this? Verse number 11 says, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. It's the reason why I preach like I preach. I do it because I understand that I have a responsibility not only to you, not only to my family, but I have a responsibility to the Lord. And so I want to persuade as much as I can others to follow Jesus. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a particular ministry, a spectacular ministry, rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, that's her. <laughs> if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Now notice this verse here. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Listen, I don't look at you from a human point of view. I have chosen by the grace of God to look at you not in your faults, not in your shortcomings, not in your mess ups or your sin. As your pastor, I have chosen a long time ago to look at people in the best of who they are, not based on who they can be and not based on what they can do, but based on what God can do in them. We have preached it from the beginning of our ministry in this church that God has called each and every one of us to be something for him. Why? Because he trusts you. And he has called you to a ministry of your own likeliness. So we stop evaluating others from a human point of view. Listen, sometimes we use people that may not have earned it. Because I'm not looking at whether you've earned it or not. I'm looking at whether God has directed you or not. Because I haven't earned it. At one time, he's talking to the Corinthian church again. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We saw him only as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
We saw him only as the man that fed the 5,000 plus women and children. We saw him only as the man that raised Lazarus from the dead. We saw him only as the man that turned the tables over when he got frustrated about people selling and buying in the house of the Lord. We see him, we have seen him, but now we see him a little bit differently because there was a transition of who he was when he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb and resurrected. And now the disciples saw him and Simon or, and the apostle Paul saw him on the road to Damascus in a different way. So now he's seeing Christ in a different manifestation. He's seeing Christ as God Almighty, the creator wrapped in flesh that paid the ultimate price for us. We see him differently now because we know him differently now. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Amen. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. Leading people to Jesus. Leading people to Jesus. Don't worry about heaven. Get them to Jesus. Reconcile them to Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus. Jesus can take care of them. For God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. Listen. He doesn't count your sins against you. He counts your sins against the cross. I don't know what that does for you, but I'll tell you what it does for me. It lets me be free to try to serve him a little bit better. Even when I mess up, even when I make a mistake, he doesn't put it on me. He takes it back to Calvary because God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world. wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Listen, when you talk to that friend, when you talk to that loved one, when you talk to that neighbor or that co-worker, and you say, hey, I've got somebody to introduce you to. His name is Jesus. You are speaking on behalf of heaven because God has placed, when he said it is finished, he was placing in us a new beginning, a new ministry, and we couldn't reconcile to God before Calvary. We couldn't reconcile to God before he said it was finished, but now that we have been reconciled to him, he has put that ministry on us so that you and I, when we begin to speak the things of God, we are operating in the hand of God and the voice of God and the might of God to bring them back to him. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we can be made right with God through Christ. I close with this today. I know it's a little outdated because of 
all new technology. But let's walk back a couple hundred years or so and let's go to when the Transcontinental Railway was finished. Some of you don't know that's a train for some of you. <laughs> some of you might have been there. <laughs> Steam engines. They had worked for years to create a rail railway system to go across this country. And they stopped and started several different times. But when it came down to put the last railroad ties, and it was on the border of New Mexico and Colorado, they threw a big party. They called all kinds of people to come and put the last tracks in. And so all kinds of people were gathering around, and the two governors, of one of Colorado and one of New Mexico, came and they were a part of this celebration that was going to finish the Transcontinental Railway. And so they came and they, they, they all gathered together and they brought out these silver spikes that, that the, uh, the, the governors were going to pound into the railroad tribe, thus completing the, the, the Transcontinental Railway. And, and so as soon as the spikes went in, a great roar of applause went up and telegraph wires all around the country began to report that it is now finished, that the railway system was now done, and the task was now there. And one of the things that I, I saw online last night that was stated, it, it basically stated this, now the East Coast and the West Coast are united. You can get to one side or the other in one failed swoop. The, uh, you are united together, the East and the West Coast, and, and there was there was the pathway of transportation where you could now go instead of having to stop here and go here and go all through the trail. There was one means of transportation that took you from the East Coast to the West Coast. And they said, it is finished. Can I just tell you that 2,000 years or so ago, there were three spikes that were placed into a tree, one in each hand and one in the feet of your master, Jesus. And when he said, it is finished, what he was really saying is now heaven and earth are reconnected. You can get from earth to heaven and earth can get to you. There is a two-way system now, a mode of transportation that gets you into his presence and gets him into your presence. And now you have a relationship with him like never before. It is finished. It is a victory song that unites heaven and earth together. That makes God and man together. It makes a way for you and I to experience heaven on earth. We don't have to wait for New Jerusalem to experience heaven because there is a railway. There is a pathway to get to the presence of heaven, the presence where God is. And that pathway is through Jesus because he said it is finished. New beginnings. New beginnings. I invite you to stand. I can't imagine what was going on in the spirit realm every time that Roman hammer hit that metal spike. Hey. Hey. 
all the caverns of hell. There had to be something that happened in the spirit world when Jesus began to breathe his last breaths, when he released forgiveness. In my devotions, I'm sharing with you some of the last words of Christ. Now, and when it ultimately gets to the point where he says, it is finished. I have to believe that as Jesus shouted with a great voice that he was victorious, that all of heaven rejoiced and all of hell panicked. Because the Bible gives us an indication that while Jesus' body was laid in the tomb, that Jesus took a journey. It indicates in Scripture that he descended to the depths. And while I paint a picture of my own of what that experience might have been, and many people have done it through dramas and different things. But can you imagine the knock on the devil's door? Uh, Satan. You heard that echo, didn't you? Because I've come for something. I've come to take back what was rightfully mine to begin with. That you usurped and took away. I have come for the keys to death, hell, and That thing that had separated my creation from who I am, that could not have sweet communion with me, I have come to take it back. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that he led the captivity captive. What does that really mean? I'll tell you what that means in very short terminology. In the Old Testament, the grave was divided into two places, Abraham's bosom and a place of torment. It was still separated from God. The Bible calls it shoal or, 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 or hell, if you will, the grave, if you will. And in the Old Testament, everybody that died went to this place. There was a place of comfort, but it was not a place where God was. Because humanity couldn't be where God was. But the Bible says that when he cried out, it was finished, and he hung his head, that, that Jesus took a, a trip down. And, and the Bible says he led captivity captive. What was he taking? All of those that were righteous in the Old Testament that died were now being led captive to a place where the thief on the cross found out to be paradise. It is finished. Listen. You are not destined for destruction. And in this day and age, and in this society that we're in, the church is not designed or destined to diminish. The church is on the move. The church is on the roll. The church is up and coming. The church is the ambassador of Christ. The church is in the power of the Almighty. We are not citizens of this dimension or this realm or this world. We are citizens of another country. Its name is the kingdom of God. And while we deal with earth here, we are real living in there. And because we have access to there, we can bring some of that here so that people that are around us that are getting swallowed up by the here can feel a little bit of the there. And when they find a little bit of the there, they're going to want more of him. And when they want more of him, you've got it within you to share Jesus with them. And then they can begin to take that 
journey from here to there as well. It is finished. Here's what I want us to do as they begin to sing all across this congregation. Would you just raise your hands and begin to hear the words and the It is finished. Say them between you and the It is finished. It's already been accomplished in me. I just haven't seen it all come together yet, but it's already done. He's already given me the tools to become what he wants me to be. He's already given you over to Christ. He's already released you from your penalty. Yeah. 